0: Welcome to the Codecast Podcast, real world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Codecast Podcast today. My name is Terry Fletcher. So, I hope everyone is having a great January, great start to your 2024. Uh, year, I know I am. It's actually been pretty nice here in California. We actually are looking at some rain today, but we could use the rain, so we're good. It was uh, funny. I was talking to some colleagues recently on a a big office uh, call over Zoom, and everyone was freezing because they're in uh, you're in some kind of snow or you know below zero temperatures. And I'm like, me too. I have my heater on and it's 48 in California and sunny in there. I think they might have wanted to hang up with on, on me. So I apologize for that. But I'm a Cali girl. You guys know that. And so we get cold here when it's not at least 60. But um, it's it's nice to have some, some good weather as far as getting some rain in here. And then um, hopefully the rest of the month will, will be manageable for all of you. So hopefully nobody is too cold. Um, but you probably have heard, yeah, my Steelers are out of it. So I was having a moment last week, but, you know, with uh, our third string quarterback, what are we going to do? So what are we going to talk about today? Well, I really want to revisit the e-visits or the, the digital encounters, and I want you to understand when you can use them, how you should use them, and if it's appropriate to use them. Because I think it's actually a missed revenue opportunity for many practices. But first, the CodeCast podcast is also brought to you today by the Select Coder. Get all of the decision-making information you need to code in a single online resource. Select Coder offers you the comprehensive coding guidance required to code accurate claims the first time. Try Select Coder for free. Sign up at decisionhealth.com forward scfree trial. So I hope you try it. I've been working with it and it's actually a pretty good product. I like it. So when we talk about the digital exams or the e-visits, if you will, what we're talking about are the online, they're, they're over the uh, e and code. So they're in that section and the payers pay for it. And remember, this isn't about telehealth. It is a communication-based technology service, but that's the acronym CBTS. It's not tied to the to the former public health emergency. It's not tied to the waiver extension or anything like that. These were opened up for payment in 2020, so it seemed like they were tied to that, but they weren't. What this is is that CPT developed these services, and it's uh, codes 99421 to 99423, and they're for physicians, physician assistants, uh, advanced practi- practice nurses performing brief online services via secure platforms. So it's for established patients that have patient portals. So if you don't have patient portals set up for your patients where they can log in, I know I have, I have one with my physician, it's called My Healthy Connection. And so then I log in, it's password protected. There's even a a second, a safeguard to get in where they ask me a a personal question and then I can get in and it's messages. So I can get information on my billing, on, on my prescription refills, whatever I need. And then if I have a question for either my provider or my nutritionist or anything like that, I can actually send it over via the portal. And what I really like about it is that um, the practitioners that I engage with, they get back to me within 24 hours. It's nice. So hopefully anybody that does have the opportunity to. Um, to have that access does because then you don't have to keep calling the office, hoping for a phone call back or thinking that you have to make another in-person appointment or even a telehealth appointment just to get a question answered. Now, there are some some rules when it comes to uh, these services. First of all, just realize that these, again, are not considered telehealth services. They're considered CBTS, communication-based technology. And so, um, you don't have to use the place of Service 2 or a modifier 95 or anything like that. So it would still be Place of Service 11 because it's coming from the office. So it is a office uh, interactive service. And there are also codes for clinicians who do not have EM within the scope of their. Their practice, so nine eight nine seven 98970 zero to nine eight nine seven two, but remember those clinicians would be like PT, OT, uh, dietitians for certain diagnoses. So, for example, when I talked to my dietitian slash nutritionist, um, I was diagnosed with diabetes last year. Luckily, I'm now um, managed by medication and I'm back to where I need to be with my A1C. So I'm pretty happy about that. But I'm able to re- ask questions. And there, if there's a cumulative time threshold met, then... Um, She would be able to, under the supervision of the physician, be able to send that out because I have the correct diagnosis. But if you, but that's not somebody who could bill E&M, for example. Um, And then the 99421 to 423, if I have questions from my actual physician, for example, there was one that came up last year. They put me on a certain hypertension medication. Again, I just had slightly elevated um, labs and, and, uh, testing that looked like it was there. I'm medication. Now I'm completely controlled, but about 10 days later, and then into the next month or two, I noticed that there was a dry cough with one of the medications. And I won't say what it was. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to say anything against a medication. And I just said, you know, I don't know if you've known this, but this is weird. I have this dry cough that won't go away. And in my business, when I'm speaking all the time, that's a problem. And so between podcasts and webinars and, you know, meetings, that, that, that would be a problem. And then I noticed my husband was on the same medication for his um, blood pressure control. And he had that. And my sister-in-law said, yeah, I'm not on that anymore because of the cough. And I'm like, oh, there's something going on here. And so when I was able to send that over to my physician, he's like, yeah, let me, let me change that for you. And had a conversation back and forth. And I saw kind of a a great thing that Betsy Nicoletti put on her Coding Intel about it, about these services. She likes to call them message, manage, message. And I like that because you're sending the uh, patient initiated. So you're sending something through your portal then the managing clinician, which is either the physician or again, the nurse practitioner PA or a a clinician that is able in their scope of practice to give information and then message again, they have to message it back. And it's a cumulative service over a seven day period. And it's also a time-based code. And also remember that licensed professional counselors um, are potentially able to lose this, use these services as well. But make sure you look at the information. I know I uh, gave it on my last... Uh, Medicare webinar update in the fourth quarter. And I'm going to reiterate it again in the first quarter Medicare update that's coming up, um, that if you're using any kind of licensed professional counselors, make sure you know what is included in their license. You know, they have to have a master's degree that's or a PhD, and they have to have certain uh, hours of clinical time. So don't just have somebody that comes in and says, Oh, I'm a counselor. I can do that. That's not necessarily true. But the 99421 is the five to 10 minutes. And it says online digital evaluation and management service for an established patient up to seven days cumulative time during the seven days. And 99422 is 11 to 20 minutes and 99423 is 21 or more minutes. And so when these services um, are performed through the HIPAA compliant secure platform, then you can. Um, then this can be built. Now they're not, they're not to be used for non evaluative functions such as test results or appointment scheduling or any communication that doesn't include evaluation and management. So you have to actually manage the patient and understand that that's why it's established that you are following them for a certain diagnosis for a certain treatment plan. And now these patients need a, some kind of initiated communication and they may not be used for work done by clinical staff or clinicians who can't bill EM services in the scope of practice. So be careful with that. You know, they're messaging codes, not telephone, video, or in person visits. So it's something that would be done as a type of face to face, but now they're being, it's being done over digital means. And so uh, CPT goes on to say, and let me just quote here it says, a seven day period begins with the physicians or other qualified healthcare professionals, initial personal review of the patient generated inquiry, physicians or other QHP cumulative service time includes review of the initial inquiry, review of the patient records or data pertinent to assessment of the patient's problem, and then personal physician or other QHP interaction with clinical staff focused on the patient's problem. So development and management plans, including physician or QHP generation, if they need to change prescriptions like I mentioned, or they need to order a test or and subsequent communication with that patient online based on what they have to do. But it begins with the patient-initiated portal message. There was something I saw, I think it was Cleveland Clinic, and it was on LinkedIn, and they said, we're now going to put these generic messages in patient portals and whenever they log into their account, we're going to charge them $50. No, 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 no. So that was something I actually responded back to that post and they ended up taking the post down going, okay, yeah, we can't do that. So it's a, it's um, an interactive exchange. So there's back and forth messaging and of the practitioner and the patient And that goes on for a seven-day period of time that you're accumulating that time frame. And so the practitioner, the physician or the nurse practitioner, reviews the communication in the medical record and then manages that problem. So you you have to have that documented really well. Um, If the patient is seen in person or via telehealth within the seven days of using those codes, then you can't report them. So if messaging also relates to an ENM service that, include, that occurred within the last seven days or is related to a problem which, you know the patient was seen within that last week, again, you don't report it. It's outside those, uh, I call them the global days because it's either a new problem. I mentioned the cough and that was like a couple weeks later after the my last visit that just, I was just thought it was weird because I didn't have a cold. I didn't, I wasn't sick, but boy, it was like, I felt like I was going, I was choking um, every couple of days. I'm like, what is that? And so it it was a side effect from that particular uh, blood pressure medication. So it was changed. So those are the kinds of conversations that would go back and forth uh, with the provider. Um, They're time-based codes. So you have to make sure you put exact time please tell the providers do not put a range of time and say, oh, I spent between you know 11 and 20 minutes no they need to say I spent you know um, eight minutes discussing patient initiated uh, um, contact b- based on you know whatever the the patient initiated and asked the question for and then what the physician had to do to manage and then um, then you you know that has to be well documented. And then other requirements. Do you need consent? Yes, that is required by Medicare. They actually put it in their ML and um, information when they first came out with these codes. The biggest thing, and they are they show emphasis on this, it has to be patient initiated through the portal. Uh, it has to be documented in medical record. Patient had to have, or if the patient had the EM service, again seven days, it can't be used for communication to that problem. So let's say the patient was seen last week. And they said, Hey, I have, I have a question on one of the medications you gave me. And they called the office and they said, we'll go through the portal. And it was three days later, you can't code for that or can't report that. And so make sure you know that that's those seven day, that seven day global, there's an understanding that within a week of a patient visit that the physician, if there's any follow-up needed, that's included in that e service. And again, established patients, um, it's also not billed by surgeons in the global period. It also has to be provided via HIPAA compliant platform. So your EMR, again, patient portal, um, and that has to be very clear. And st- clinical staff time cannot be included. So do not have, allow your medical assistants to run to your doctor and answer these questions. It has to come straight from the physician. They have to sit at the computer and, you know, at the end of the day and say, okay, or at the beginning of the day and say, okay, let me see how many messages I got and spend the time. They're getting paid for it. So spend the time actually, um, you know, understanding it, reading it, acknowledging it, managing it, and then responding back to the patient. Also, don't double count time with any other specialty uh, or separately reported services. So if you're also billing chronic care management for the same thing, or INR monitoring, which is pro times, or remote patient monitoring, any of that, that's not going to be appropriate. And then there is an editorial note in CPT regarding the 98970 to 98972. Again, that's for clinicians who do not have EM services in their scope. That's why I mentioned um, you know, the the dietitian or the speech language pathologist or PT or OT. But you have to make sure that sometimes those particular practitioners have diagnoses related services. Like I mentioned the diabetes, you have to make sure that uh, that is part of the understanding that you can bill that and similar and the similar guidelines as far as the seven days, the five to 10, 11 to 20 and 21 or more minutes um, is something that you want to make sure that you are um, understanding as far as the global. Then there's a couple of questions that always come up where somebody said, can a licensed professional counselor use the 99421 to 423 codes for management of a client-initiated issue, such as an email inquiry related to their therapy problems? And it actually says in the CPT book, it says these are for physicians and other qualified healthcare professionals the 99421 to 423. And so licensed counselors do not have ENM services in the scope of their practice. Remember that. So it's only for someone who has ENM in their scope. So it can't be a pharmacist, it can't be anyone that can't bill out under their own under their own licensure an an ENM service. So be be very careful with that because um, I've seen people trying to bill for things that under this are, aren't under the scope of their practice, and um, this is definitely a problem. And I know sometimes CMS and CPT use the term physician to include our mid-level providers, and under E&M, yes, because we have incident too, but that doesn't work when we're dealing with dietitians, nutritionists, you know, PT, OT, you know, a, clinical social workers please make sure you don't make that mistake thinking that you can bill the 99421 to 423 for those types of clinicians that cannot report uh in m service and again i think i can even include you know that the marriage counselors know, the the pharmacists no so they don't have those kinds of medical decision making options uh, under their scope of practice so it's really important for practices to do their due diligence when they're getting ready to bill for a service i know it seems like one of the questions I'm getting lately is all about that new complexity code, the G2211. And make sure you you Google it. If you're a member of my Coding Corner membership, I've already sent it out to you. But if you're not, then you can Google it and make sure you get that information because Medicare put out some guidance on January 18th for it. And they basically first told us about what you shouldn't do. And now they're finally saying, well, if it's this, giving us a couple of examples of Uh, conditions, chronic services, uh, chronic conditions, chronic diagnoses that would qualify. Um, But just make sure you understand if you're going to use that add-on code, what the situation is. And please, please, I know I have a potential client that's coming in, actually our client now, that wants to automate that code with every E&M and that's wrong. Please don't do that. And so not every code is going to qualify. And and if you get caught doing that, you're going to get in so much trouble. So please don't do that. Okay, everyone, well, it is now raining where I am as I'm recording this, and it's raining pretty hard, so we've got football on. I'm going to go watch my football games, even though my team's not playing. Um, now I'm a Lions fan, if because uh, I want them to take it all, so hopefully... Um, we'll see them with the championship first time, and I think what I don't know if they've ever won the Super Bowl, but I do know that they just finally won a playoff game the first time in like 30 years. So good for them. So make it a great day, everyone. A great rest of your week, and thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at @terrycoder1, or visit her website at www dot terry f-l-e-t-c-h-e-r dot net podcast producer joe kuzma music producer assassin music